0: Welcome to Yolitix, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics.
1: So I have a question. Go. Uh, what do you think about the idea of living in the space of two minivans for three weeks, Jason? With who?
0: <laughs> it does come down to that, doesn't <laughs> it, does it? It does come down to that, my friend.
1: Uh, because you did a piece a, a couple of years ago on this Orion space capsule, the new one. That's At NASA. Been created by NASA. And you got into this thing, and they told you, yeah, it's roughly the size of two minivans on the inside, the volume in here. And you made the point of asking them, okay, this thing's supposed to go to the moon and, and beyond. Uh, astronauts are going to be in this space for three weeks,
0: and that's what it is. It's it's unbelievable. And, and we're, we're talking about this now because this is about to launch mm-hmm. this week. Mm-hmm. For the first time, it's actually
1: going to be sent out beyond the moon, 40,000 yeah. miles beyond the moon. Then it's supposed to circle back and come all the way back to Earth, uh, and they're testing it out, and they're actually going to put humans in it next time. This time around, we're going to tell you what's going to be inside the Orion capsule here in just a moment. Do they have beer inside? I don't think they do. I don't think they had room for that. I bet you there's a lot of stuff they had to leave out.
0: Maybe it's freeze dried like do that you, ice cream. Do you have some? I have some. What are we drinking here? Oh, oh you brought I, I brought three. for everybody. I brought one for our producer, Martin DePorto. I will have this. Um, what do you want, DePorto? St. Arnold
1: Summer Pills uh, here. And I, I, I'm surprised that you didn't bring Blue Moon for this one.
0: Nice. Huh? There it he is. It been, right? Always ready. What, what do you want, Martin? Which one are you going to have? <laughs> Let me have the uh, the heart of Texas here. I haven't had anything to eat today, so this one's probably oh going to do me in right here. Here it goes. So this is a uh, Four Corners Heart of Texas. It's a red ale. It's actually you know Four Corners in Dallas is where we shot our commercial that's about to come out.
1: Oh yeah, we've got a commercial now.
0: We're big time on we, we made it. Yeah, we uh, made it here
1: after we hit a million downloads, and we've been powering uh, past that ever since. Mm. And really, this is sort of a toast that we're doing today because America is about Cheers. to get NASA is about to get back into
0: manned space flight yeah. again uh, and 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 on their rockets Yeah, so you know you and I grew up with with the space shuttle and I didn't realize the space shuttle started in 1972 I obviously didn't launch until I think 1979 is the first time it went up but you know it, space is not that big of a deal anymore to right. this generation because they kind of grew up on on the space shuttle as well there there were launches all the time now we have spacex um, we have you know launches from West Texas, from down in the Rio Grande Valley as well. What's different about this one is that we're going beyond low Earth orbit. Mm-hmm. Up until this point, you know, since December nineteen seventy two, we have not gone you know beyond low Earth orbit. That's where the shuttle and the space station are.
1: And don't you think that that's part of the reason? I mean, yeah, there's you know new generations and so forth, but don't you think that's part of the reason that people aren't as excited about yeah. space anymore? Because it's not like you're. Uh, you know, hitting that new frontier out there, places that you haven't been. And you could make the argument here, too, because this is going to go to the moon and back. uh, And you can make the argument, well, we've been there, too. One of our guests today has something very interesting to say about why we went to the moon before and how that is so different from this time around. But it's also different in the sense that we now are going to be headed to the moon to build bases there, yeah. to actually operate there and operate from there as we go beyond the moon to Mars and,
0: and wherever else. I've heard people say, Why are why we going back to the moon? I asked that question as well. What, what's the point? We've been there, been there, done that, right? We have flags and footprints as we're about to hear yeah. on the moon, but we, we're making that the the, the jumping off point mm-hmm. to go other places. And we have to make sure we prove our technology now. That's the whole point of this. Here's what something else people may not realize. Ever since the space shuttle was retired, the last two or three were retired in 2011, yeah. the U.S. government, which essentially started manned spaceflight, has no space vehicle at all. Right. We've been buying seats on the, on the Russian Soyuz capsule.
1: Imagine now, too, in this uh, current environment, you know, having to depend on the Russians.
0: Exactly. And, and they're bailing from the space station. And then, you know, most recently we've seen all these, uh, uh, you know, private individuals going up with Richard Branson's, uh, you know, Galactic, um, and and then the the things down in the Valley as well. But this is the first time the U.S. government is getting back into manned space flight. That's a big deal for Texas, Jason, and the Johnson Space Center in Houston.
1: Yeah, because that's mission control. That's where the heart of it all is. Uh, You know, you hear Houston every time when you uh, look at those old black and white tapes from the moon when they would land, uh, including the, you know, very famous uh, Houston, we have a problem. Uh, So Houston will be back in the game once again here, Uh, the Johnson Space Center back in the game in a huge way. And I think really that they're going to hope here, because this is going to be the most powerful rocket this country has ever put up. Uh, Mm. I think that they're hoping people are going to get excited about this because ultimately, I mean, we've put a lot of money into this already, just getting it to this point, and it's going to need more money down the road. But you know, this is what uh, humanity does. It explores.
0: Indeed so. This, this rocket's called Artemis One, and it is set to, to no, set the, the, launch. Lo- the, the program. The, the, the program, and then the capsule that sits on top of this rocket mm-hmm. is called the Orion capsule. And that's the one that I got to go see with uh, now a, a new friend of mine down there. I went to visit this uh, Building 9 the Johnson Space Center. That's where they have all the mock-ups there. They had several shuttle mock-ups. They have a Soyuz capsule in there they have the space station and they're laid out in this giant building that's like an airplane hangar mm-hmm. and they also had the orion and you got inside in
1: this thing and it only offers great angles when you go in with a camera you're going to put this on your social media right I'm gonna, yeah it'll, where, it'll, where it'll do people ins- find that yeah, Jason? At,
0: at jason whiteley and i hope you retweeted as well but <laughs> when we shot this when we went inside this capsule that's about to you know go out beyond the moon sometime this week. You the only way you can really shoot it is to put the camera down like around your knees and look up. Okay. And for me, at least, I mean, you're much better looking than I am. I'm younger than you, though. Um, <laughs> but that's not the best shot Maybe of me. Maybe neither one of those is true, right? <laughs> that's not the best shot of me looking up at, at my stomach and my uh, double chin. So for what that's worth, anyway. So I was down but there. But you in tw-
1: stayed in contact with the person I who st- took
0: you inside. I stayed in touch with her. Her name's Najud Moransi She is the chief of mission exploration um at the johnson space center for nasa as a whole and i i remember meeting her and she's showing me around talking about how you know hey this capsule right here can hold three or four people and it's about the size of two minivans not only are they you know riding in this thing but they can live in this thing for three weeks Hmm. back to how we started this whole podcast i'm not sure i would do that but we called up Najud who is super excited about this we had to work through uh some folks at nasa to actually get her on the line we got her on the line and, and I, did you, so I, I presume you're, you're pretty excited about this, uh, this first launch next week, huh?
2: Uh, extremely. We've been waiting a while for it. I mean, there's so much work that's gone into it. It'll be amazing to see it happen.
0: Now this is, I think of this as the nation and NASA really dreaming big again. How big of a deal is this? Najoud?
2: I mean, it's, Something that hasn't happened in over 50 years, like the last time people left humans, left low Earth orbit was 1972 it was before I was even born. Right. And well, while we don't have crew on this flight, this is the foundation for making that step of putting crew on Artemis, 2. So this is the test flight that actually gets people back to the moon. We get to check everything out. I mean, that's it's it is cannot be understated how big it is for us to actually be returning to the moon and getting beyond low earth orbit.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm stoked about this uh, as well. And I know the Johnson Space Center and, and you played a, a big role in this. You and I first met in 2018. At that point, Orion was, was you know, way down the tracks. Uh, it's not like that, that I, uh, uh, you know, came into it at, at its infancy by any means. But tell us when you started on the mission and what all you've been doing, because you know the capsule very well.
2: Yeah, so I started in 2009 when Orion was just still in early development and design. So a lot of my first work was really in that development and design, the engineering of Orion. Um, and then as a part of that was starting to do the mission design and planning work for Orion. Being the first exo exo-LEO human spacecraft in 50 years, we had to sort of relearn a lot of things that had happened in Apollo And then because of that, it really leveraged into what I've been doing now, which is sort of the integrated mission design for all of Artemis. Because now we have to make Orion work with what in the future will be the human landing system and gateway and all of the exploration pieces. So the mission design really expanded. And so since I last worked on Orion when we were talking in 2014... We flew Exploration Flight Test One, and then I really started transitioning more into the now. How do we do Artemis missions in the future? And at the time, it wasn't even called Artemis yet, but now it yeah, is. Yeah,
0: Artemis. Yeah, Ar- that's new to me. I know. I know it's it's been called that for a while though. Uh, and, and when you talk about the the other missions for for our listeners who don't know, the other missions not only include the moon, but but potentially like asteroids uh, and, and even Mars. That that's still in the on the horizon, right?
2: Yeah, a lot of what we're doing with Artemis, just being able to do human exploration is the foundation for what you need to do for Mars. The surface systems, rovers, these deep space transportation systems, all of what we're learning and going back to the moon is the first steps of what will eventually be the programs and projects you need to go to Mars. So the goal is a long term exploration program um, so that this isn't just flags and footprints and then we stop again. We want to be able to keep going once we get to the moon and then keep going beyond the moon to Mars.
0: Yeah, that's pretty good. We want more than flags and footprints, I guess, right?
2: Yes, absolutely. I mean, and that's what they call it. They kind of call Apollo, right? Flags and footprints, six missions, yeah. and then they stopped.
0: Now, going back to the Apollo days, because, you know, I grew up on the space shuttle. Um, I'm sure you did as well, too. But we're going back to the capsule days here. And the Orion capsule uh, is, I believe you you told me, it's about the size of two mani- minivans. It seats four astronauts, and they can live inside there for two or three weeks. Is that still the case?
2: That's still the case. So uh, the interior wow. volume is about two minivans. So if you took your three best friends on a three-week camping trip, but you never get to get out of the minivans, that's what Orion has in it. So, um, but Orion is intended. It's the vehicle that gets the crew to the moon and home again. So when we start doing exploration, that's where we build out the gateway, an orbiting habitat, um, surface systems and the lander. So to do long missions, you get more than Orion. Um, but it is the first step of getting crew to the moon and home.
0: And the one thing I remember about the capsule mock up that you showed us around there in Building 9 at the Johnson Space Center is there are so few controls inside this capsule. Um, Tell me why. I, I know that, you know, there, there's, there's a lot more technology now than there was 50 years ago, the last time an Apollo capsule went. But I, I was shocked that there's so few controls in there.
2: Yeah. So, I mean, the advances in software and the controllability that you can have in software, they have, you know, three displays and you only need two to operate it. So one can fail. But yeah, so most of it is software controlled. There's some you know power switches like the breaker box in your house. And then some switches are just there for the backup in case of software, like there's a manual parachute deployment switch. So you you don't even need all the switches that are in there. Some of them are just there for backup and redundancy still, but it's mostly a fly-by-wire type vehicle because of the software and the computer controls we have today.
0: And I believe I remember you telling me, and I had to go back and and make sure this was right. Are are most of the controls still based on the software based on Boeing 787 Dreamliner aircraft?
2: Uh, so the software is purpose-built, but the computers themselves are from Honeywell, which is the same type of computer that the Boeing uh, 787 uses.
0: Gotcha. And uh, so as far as the, the panels and switches, those have been replaced, I guess, with with different uh, storage things and just a bigger capsule on the inside, right? Sto- storage areas and, and a larger capsule?
2: Yeah. So one of the big advantages, right, if you ever look inside an Apollo capsule, like there was a very small area because it was mostly like all that big honking computer equipment and the stuff is just very big. So the actual livable volume is small. Um, So what we've got when you can use modern computers and things like that, there's a lot more free space. So the crew will be able to work out inside Orion and sleep and eat. There's a whole waste management system, the toilet and shower system, essentially, um, so they've got more usable volume than Apollo did by far. And Orion is about a meter larger diameter. So it's, it's in a way, it seems very small. It's actually much more spacious than Apollo.
0: What's the mood like around the JSC right now, Johnson Space Center there in Houston?
2: I mean, my personal thoughts, everyone I'm working with, everyone's just super excited. Uh, you know, we've all been looking forward to this to a long time. And it's getting real. Like we can all sort of feel that like now it's real. We've been working towards a launch date for a while, but, you know, schedules are, things had to work, you know, engineering, redesign, whatever was needed to get it to this point. But now we know it's real. Um, so there's a real date on the calendar, and it's only, it's less than a week away now.
0: Wow. Uh, a few more questions about the capsule technology, if you'll uh, bear with me. Uh, the capsule speed, this thing can, can you know, do an orbit around the Earth, I believe at 25,000 miles an hour, what, an hour around the Earth? But you guys have designed it where it slows down to 20 miles an hour before it impacts the water on landing?
2: Yeah. So when you're in Earth orbit, you're going like the space station is going 17,500 miles per hour. But when you go to the moon and then you come back and you make that direct entry, you're going 25,000 miles an hour. So Orion, as it comes in from the moon, heads straight into the atmosphere and then we use the atmosphere to do the braking for the capsule. So almost all of that speed is bled off by the earth and the atmosphere slowing down the capsule just literally from the drag on the vehicle. That's what creates all the heating that you're familiar with and stuff. But yeah, so in 20 minutes, though, between the aerodynamic drag and then the parachute system, it goes from 25,000 miles per hour to 20 miles per hour and touches down gently in the ocean. So it, it would be quite a ride.
0: In 20 minutes, it it changes to th- that speed, right? Yes, unbelievable. Just 20 minutes. Um, and, and for for folks who grew up like you and I did on the um uh, the space shuttle, why did NASA go with capsules again? Why not go back to another space truck that has landing gear that you could land anywhere and and reuse? What, what was the point of the capsule technology again?
2: The real big driver, number one, is physics hasn't changed in 50 years. So the same reasons (laughs) Apollo did, we're kind of in the same boat, but getting to the moon is extremely hard. You have to accelerate a lot. Everything you take with you is very important, and just because it multiplies. Every pound at the moon is a bigger rocket you needed to leave Earth, and a bigger rocket needed to leave Earth is a bigger rocket you needed to get off the ground. So you wanna make everything at the moon as light as you can, so that it doesn't hurt you in this system. So as big as SLS is, all of that is just the fuel needed to get Orion out to the moon. So you make the vehicle that you take to the moon as small as you can essentially because of that multiplier effect. So taking the shuttle, which was massive and wings and, and wheels and tires and all that, that's just a lot of stuff, a lot of weight that's not useful until you get home again. So, yeah, so we take only the bare minimum that you need, and so that's where the capsule design comes back in because it's the most efficient thing to use the aerodynamic braking and the parachutes to land instead of wheels and wings to land on a runway.
0: Najud, you you mentioned uh, SLS. I want you to walk our our listeners through this. The Space Launch System is what it's called now. A a lot of folks might remember STS, like 19 or 27 or 105, the space transport system that the shuttles were were, uh, – we're in. What's the difference between the two? Um, and why change that?
2: Yeah, so STS, the, the space transportation system, which was the shuttle, as we, you know, tend to refer to it, was used to lift the shuttle into low Earth orbit, but that is not nearly sufficient to get out of low Earth orbit and go to the moon. So we have a much bigger rocket. Um, it's based on a lot of that shuttle technology. So the side-launched mm. Solid rocket boosters are very similar to shuttle, but they are five segments instead of shuttles four. So they're more powerful. The main engines on the back of the Space Launch System rocket are uh, shuttle derived SSMEs, RS-25 engines or what they're called. And the tank size, the big orange tank, similar to shuttle, but it's even bigger for SLS. It's much taller. Right. You need that much more fuel. So you really needed to redesign SLS because we needed more power than you could do is taking the shuttle to orbit. So most of the systems are derived from shuttle, but much bigger. Um, and, and they're much bigger, but they actually send a much smaller capsule to the moon. So, wow. you know, just think about the sizing there. A bigger rocket to send ultimately a smaller crew vehicle.
0: And, and December 1972, as we said a couple of times, is the last time uh, the uh, this country sent anyone to the moon. We're, I know the the technology and the ideas are are still floating around, but there probably isn't anybody still at Johnson Space Center who worked on that program, I don't think. Did y'all have to go back to filing cabinets to figure this thing out or, or to, to, to look for little details at all?
2: Uh, you'd be surprised. So there's still a few people floating around. They're JSC really? alumni, if you will. So I don't know that a lot of them are actively working, but they're still, I mean, they certainly have a ton of interest. So I've had conversations with some of the Apollo veterans and stuff like that. So we have used a lot of knowledge capture, whether it's actually talking to the people, doing database searches, reading about it. Um, so yeah, so there's a lot of knowledge that's been retained from Apollo, um, but then there's a lot that we can, you know, update and improve on, like computers, for example.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. A few last questions here for you too. If 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 this goes well, there will be a second manned mission. But at what point do you think that we actually touch down on the moon again for the first time in, in more than 50 years?
2: So our goal is by Artemis 3. So this is Artemis 1. So our goal, uh, Artemis 2, would be the first crewed flight to demonstrate crew systems. And then Artemis 3, the goal is to actually land on the surface of the moon with crew again. Um, The goal is to do that by the end of 2024, but we'll fly it when it's ready and the systems are demonstrated that they're safe to do so.
0: And you mentioned flags and footprints. My my last question, do you expect NASA is going to return to Tranquility Base?
2: So our goal in the Artemis program is mostly the South Pole, because there's more science, um, the permanently shadowed regions to collect potential water ice. Uh, You know, the long term, there's really optimal spots where they get sun most of the year. So you could put habitats on and stuff. So Artemis is mostly designed around going to the South Pole. It has the capability to go back to the equatorial regions where Apollo landed. But our primary focus is actually on the South Pole exploration. So potential, but not currently in the plans uh, to return to Tranquility Base. What, what
0: do you want people to, to know about this? I mean, you know, obviously Houston, the Clear Lake area, a lot of folks there are, are tied to the space program in some way. But but outside of, of that community, there are a lot of Texans who don't realize that the massive steps and the massive things that are going on there.
2: I know I think uh, it's, unless you see the rockets launching you don't really know what's happening right so I think it'll be really exciting for people not just NASA and JSC and the Clear Lake community to see Artemis 1 but really the whole country and the whole world to see that you know NASA's been working on this a long time and people will once they see it launch you know maybe they don't realize how long and how much work went into it and how many thousands of people have been taken to support it but It's been happening. We're all a part of this. And this really isn't just for us. It's for everyone. Um, And and I don't really say that facetiously, right? We're going back to the moon. We're doing so with international partners. And the whole goal is to do this on behalf of humanity. So it's it's everyone's space program.
0: It it seems like the country and probably the world, in a sense, kind of need this right
2: now. I think we've been through a lot of hard times in the last few years, and I think this will be a big uplift for everyone. Um, Myself included. Right. Everyone could use a little positivity.
0: And and last thing, are are there I presume this is already happening, um, but are there already crews training there at the Johnson Space Center?
2: So the crews, our astronauts are involved in development and design all along the way. So their inputs of, you know, how are they going to be capable of operating it in the future have been a part of it but the actual crew that'll be assigned to Artemis two have not been selected yet. So there's sort of general training that goes on, but not literally the flight specific crew for Artemis two yet.
0: Wow. I can't wait. I'm excited for you guys. Um, I was kind of a space nerd. I, I think it's, I think it's awesome. And, and I'll definitely be watching. So, and even more than that, thanks for answering my, to <laughs> take my call again, answering my email.
2: No problem. Great talking to you again.
0: So that's Naju Morancy there. She's a NASA uh, chief of mission exploration down there. She, she's been working on this program from the get-go, the Orion program, and, and she really walked us through it. And r- real quickly, um, back to the, the video that I'm going to put on my Twitter account of yeah. seeing what this thing is like. I was shocked when I climbed inside this capsule of how big it is. Hmm. There there's, seems to be very few electronics you don't need a lot as she just said. Yeah. And a lot of space and a lot of drawers and a lot of, you know, places to put things. Still, though, three weeks? I don't know. You talk to an astronaut. What, what do it, you say? You man? know, this is, yeah, this, it, it just takes a different breed of person because I kind of want some electronics if I'm
1: going to have to get in this <laughs> and like go to the moon or whatever. You're you Take know? your phone or what? I, I just, I want to be able to push some buttons if something goes wrong or looks like it's going to go wrong or flip some switches. I want a lot of switches to choose from. Uh, but, you know, that's the way this is. It has changed a lot from back in the 60s. Uh, in fact, our next guest is going, this blows my mind. He kind of gave me this little tidbit and he'll give it to us here in a minute. I think Uh, it blows my mind how much technology they actually didn't have in those back in the day in in the sixties and how they still somehow managed to do this. Uh, but how things are so different right now. Uh, we have on the podcast with us right now, Jason, you ready for this? Go Dr. Love. That is his name. Uh, what a great name, huh? Uh, Dr. Stanley Love. He is a Ph.D. Uh, he has a Ph.D. What a great name. Yeah, I, I told name. him you have to go get the Ph.D. when your last name is Love so you can call yourself <laughs> Dr. Love. Uh, anyway, it's Dr. Stanley Love. He's an astronaut. He has this incredible resume. Uh, and boy, uh, he is really excited about what's happening here. We only got a couple of minutes with him because, you know, it was a busy weekend uh, as we're getting ready for this launch on Monday uh, and so uh, it, let's just uh, dip in with what we got from him. Um, I want to make the best uh, use of your time here. I know we only have you for a small window. So uh, let's just dive in right now. So uh, right. you're at Kennedy right now, right? That's correct. So you're going to watch this thing go off. Uh, and and uh, then where do you head after that?
3: All right. So I'm at Kennedy and I'm going to be here at the scheduled time of liftoff, mm-hmm. <laughs> whether it goes off or not. Uh, is outside of my control. Uh, weather, technical, everything has to be perfect. Uh, we are not going to go till we're ready. Uh, mm-hmm. Once we do launch, I will scurry back to Houston, where I will be training in the flight control room for Artemis 1 for duties on Artemis 2 as the Capcom talking to the crew. Hmm.
1: So now you've been on space shuttle flights, you've been on the space station, you've been on spacewalks. You, of course, won't be on this flight. No humans will be on this flight. Uh, But I'm curious, after working so long on this Orion capsule, do you have butterflies as though you're flying again?
3: Not quite as though I'm flying again. Mm -hmm. I have butterflies, but uh, knowing that it will be your soft pink body on that rocket is Mm -hmm. a special feeling. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm excited. I'm nervous. I hope everything goes right. Um, But, you know, if everything goes wrong, I will still be okay. Mm.
1: You know, when you when you talk about that, that is always a possibility when we're talking about space flight. This uh, first Artemis launch will use the SLS, which is the most powerful rocket ever built by human beings. It's going to blast this new empty Orion capsule 40,000 miles past the moon. That's further than any capsule ever built for humans has ever gone. And then after it orbits the moon, it's going to return back to Earth, splash down in the Pacific, and then we're going to scoop it up. Uh, What could possibly go wrong uh, in all of that when you're (laughs) testing some new technology
3: as well? Uh, Anything can go wrong. And there are hundreds of thousands of parts and they all have to work right. Uh, That's why we do the test flight before we put the people on board. Um, Two notes, though. There was actually a more powerful rocket that flew a couple of times. Uh, the Russian N1 moon rocket that was uh, built as a competitor to the Saturn V had 10.1 million pounds of liftoff thrust. We have only got 8.8, although the Saturn V only had 7.7. Uh, but none of those N1s went very far. We hope to actually make it to orbit and beyond with that. Yeah. Um, and the capsule is not empty. We have it packed with instrumentation flight recorders, a couple of uh, mannequins to study the effects of the acceleration of radiation on humans. Um, I think we're flying a uh, tablet computer that can, people can talk to from the ground and interact with. So hmm. don't call it empty. It is You're right. packed with experiments.
1: You're right. My bad. It, it's empty as far as actual living beings go. But you all have stuffed a bunch of things in there. Uh, that is interesting because y- you want to get as much information as you can. Uh, from this flight, and 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 it's uh, you know great to know. I mean, I'm sure that you probably had to leave off a lot of things that you would have liked to have stuffed in there as well.
3: Yes, we have it packed to the limit of all the power and data that we can that we can manage uh, to get all the data we can out of this flight. The most important data is going to be coming off of a heat shield, mm-hmm. uh, which needs to withstand temperatures of like 5,000 degrees Fahrenheit on entry and still keep things cool on the other side of that heat shield. Hmm. Um, So there's a lot of extra instrumentation and flight recording going on for the performance of that heat shield. That's the main test item and the thing we must prove out uh, um, beyond a shadow of a doubt before we put people on that ship.
1: Now, Dr. Love, if everything goes well here um, or most things go well here, uh, eventually we get astronauts who go on the next mission. Uh, They orbit the moon in that mission and then eventually we start landing astronauts on the moon. Uh, there are people who, you know, may have paid some attention to this, not a ton of attention to this who go, Hey, we did that in the sixties. How is this different though?
3: So in the sixties, we went there to beat the Russians. That was (laughs) the only goal. (laughs) They -hmm. didn't pick up a couple of rocks while they were there. Um, this time we are going to kind of, uh, expand human experience to include the moon sort of the way we've done with Antarctica. If you look at Antarctica today, it might be a great model for what the moon will be like in 20, 50 years. That is uh, research stations, some of them permanently staffed, others that are only visited part of the time, doing a lot of science, understanding the environment. And then of course, all this is focused on building up the skills and experience that we need and proving out the technology that we need to send people to Mars.
1: I want to ask you this, uh, you know, as you're getting ready for this, though, how much appreciation has this given you for the people back in the 60s who did this with way less technology and, and innovation compared to what we have now? And they pulled it off.
3: They pulled it off. I am amazed at their resourcefulness and their guts. Uh great factoid I learned the other day, the Apollo flight computer that calculated the trajectory of that ship and drove it you know, all the way to a landing on the moon has approximately the same computing power as the fob on your car key. Jeez.
1: Wow. That's uh, it. that's my book. The and they went all the way to the moon and they did it multiple and times. They came back. <laughs> Jeez, that is crazy. Incredible. Um, it it makes us seem spoiled by comparison now because we've yes, got, you know, so many gadgets.
3: Of course, they had budgets we could only dream of.
1: That's true. Uh, So uh, the last space shuttle flew in July of 2011. We've had some SpaceX rockets that have taken astronauts to the space station since then, Uh, but we've been relying on Russia a lot. Uh, How big of a deal is it that NASA would be back in the game here of, you know, with its rockets, uh, putting astronauts all the way to the moon?
3: Uh, It's it's colossal. I've been waiting for this day for a long time. I love it when any human goes to space, uh, but I love it even more when the stars and stripes are on that rocket. Hmm.
1: How big of a deal is this program to the place known as Space City, the place where you will be at Johnson Space Center uh, during this mission?
3: Oh, We are all completely stoked. Everyone is very excited about this. Uh, again, as, as soon as my work here is done, I'm scurrying back to Houston as fast as I can to get in mission control and watch in person as much of the flight as I possibly can.
1: Can you give us any concept of how much work has gone into preparing for this? I mean, this is, this is more than a decade in the making. How much work has gone into this?
3: So tens of thousands of people, all 50 states, the countries of the European Union. <laughs> hmm. And um, I think the initial studies for the uh, for the next generation of uh, lunar vehicle that uh, I'm aware of started in about two thousand and four. Um, and actually i'm I'm fortunate to have been a part of much of that work starting as long ago as that. So for me personally, this is most of my NASA career building up to this moment, and I am mm. totally excited to see it go. You wish
1: you could ride on this thing?
3: Not the first one. There's no life support system. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the second one, maybe the third one, one. I I will be in
3: line. But of course, all my office mates will too. Uh,
1: Last question, because I know we only have you for so much time here. Everybody wants to talk to you. Uh, You've had an amazing career. Uh, I mean, it's like a scroll. It just goes on and on. And it's all phenomenal (laughs) stuff. You've got a ton of education. And part of that I know is a philosophy degree. Uh, So I want you to get philosophical for us here for just a moment about this program that's led by this country that is a great country, but it can get so divided and fight with itself so much. Uh, But yet we reach way out there like this. What does this do for us? Why are we doing this? Why do we keep doing this?
3: So all 50 states, red or blue, all those tens of thousands of people, no matter how they vote, they work together. And when we work together, even the moon is not too far.
1: And we just have this, uh, we're just compelled to keep on going out there.
3: Well, that's why I'm here today. That's why I wear this blue suit. That's why I've devoted my career to space.
1: Dr. Stanley Love, thank you so much uh, for taking the time and uh, Godspeed.
0: You're welcome. So Dr. Love there, he's not only an astronaut and a doctor, PhD, and his name's Love. He's a philosopher, too. A philosopher, This
1: guy's the Renaissance he's, man, huh? He's one of those people that you just, I mean, even when you're reading him on paper, you're just like, ah, this is the kind of person who ruins it for the rest of us. You know, like, everything I read in this guy's resume, I thought, man, that would be cool to do that in life. Like, just that. And, and then it goes on to the next entry and the next entry and the next. It's just unbelievable the life that this guy has lived already. And he's not wow. an old man. Like he still has so much in front of him. Like he can go get on one of these Jeez. and and go beyond the moon. So And you
0: and I have a podcast. Yeah. So a vocational error somewhere along the way. Feeling great about things right now. Oh Let me have gosh, another dude, swig of this St. Arnold. Oh my gosh. Um, you, you know, we're we're going to be watching this launch when it happens here. Uh, I, I can't wait to see this thing go up. And I'd love to physically see it in person. I do regret never going down to watch the space shuttle launch. I used to
1: work in in Florida, and I covered space shuttle launches. Uh, but you were in for, Miami, though. This was right, up the but coast. Right, it was a big deal. So we'd go up the coast and, and cover them. And um, it was for CBS. I was working with CBS at the time. Listen, we need to edit that out. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. We, we don't need CBS uh-huh. in here. But so, you would stand, Beep. you had to stand on their building because it's, you know, mm-hmm. that's where you get your best vantage point. And you're a couple of miles from the launch pad, but you've got a direct sight at the launch pad. You're right there by that big countdown clock that they always show. Right. And I remember my very first one with the shuttle. And I was standing there on top of the building and you see this enormously bright light. Like it feels like it's going to burn your corneas looking at it. And I remember thinking, Hmm, that's cool. And being kind of disappointed though, like a little bit let down right at first. And then? And then, you know, stupid me, you know, I should have paid attention in (laughs) science class. It takes sound longer to get to you than it does light. And so I'm just seeing the light and I thought, yeah, it's okay. But then the sound started to rumble in. The entire building underneath you starts to shake like you're in an earthquake. It is incredible. And then as you watch it go up the sky It sounds like the sky is made out of fabric and it's being ripped apart. That's what it sounds like all the way up into the heavens there.
0: You're like a novelist here, man. I am. I'm very descriptive. descriptive.
1: So here's the thing, though. I spoke with like the people who had been there since way on back who were talking about the Apollo days and they go, man, you think this is impressive. You should have been here for the Saturn V rockets. Those were way bigger. And it was like the earth was exploding. This rocket, it's called the Space Launch System. This rocket is even more powerful than the Saturn V was. This thing is just going to be insane. So, you know, if our bosses are listening, you know, let's let's up the budget for when they do the first <laughs> crewed yeah. one of these.
0: Yeah. Uh, and they actually put a crew in there. Let's go. Let's go do this. Do you do you think that that building's going to stand much longer though for as many times as as you know, been shaken over the years. It has to have great
1: reinforcement. It can't be safe. I was hoping that when I was standing on the roof of it, like, I hope this thing is in really good shape. I yeah. hope they've retrofitted it and made it just really strong.
0: In case anyone from OSHA is listening, the address <laughs> of that building is what again? You said it, Wheeler? You
1: know what? But I'd go stand
0: on it again right would now. Would you really? On Monday, I sure would. Dude, wow. That's incredible. Uh, hey, before we let you guys go, a, a couple of housekeeping things here too. Our, the company that owns Yolitix, Yeah. Is looking for the best bar brewery. Brewery, is that right, Martin? Brewery. Looking for the best brewery. Brewery. Do we say brewery or brewery? brewery? Brewery. Brewery. How do you say Houston? Houston. Houston. With a long U. It has an H in front of it. But, anyways, um, they're looking for the best brewery in North Texas. Or Texas. Or Texas. Let's do all Texas.
1: Let's do all, let's do Texas. Do all Texas. We drink beer small over Texas. We do. We
0: um, okay. Okay. Let's, well, they North Texas. You know what? For our own personal information, give us all of Texas. But if you have a, a favorite one or a great beer or a really cool brewery uh, in North Texas, Dallas, Fort Worth, or beyond, um, let us know. You can find me on Twitter at Jason Whiteley. You can find Wheeler at Jason Wheeler TV, TV. because there are so many other Jason Wheelers who are not in TV, There I are guess. actually a lot of them out there. Are there really? Yeah.
1: Uh, you're a popular and, guy. And, and accomplished people, too. So, like, if I do a, a, a search, <laughs> I'm, I come up, like, you know, 25th or something like that. Astronauts, philosophers, yeah. all yeah. this stuff, More, and, and, yeah. and here you are. And here I am. I have a podcast. But you know what? That podcast got me. That podcast got me entry earlier this week into the Podcast Movement uh, Conference in, Dow- in downtown Dallas. And a uh, big shout out to them. Uh, it was fascinating going there. And I will tell you yeah. this. You're catching us on our very first episode after that. But our future episodes are going to be so improved uh, because I went there. I took like 20 pages of notes like, oh, my God, we've been doing this all wrong. Uh, it, so sorry about the, the mistakes over the over the years.
0: That and like everyone who has a podcast there. They're all like, you know, really organized they and, and they're like serious topics. They are. And, you know, I'm glad no one asked what we do because we drink beer and just get to talk. I'm like, this is probably not a real podcast that we're doing here. <laughs> but we're going to we're, we're going to shape up here. You yeah. just
1: watch. There's going to be changes coming. Uh, thanks, as always, for listening. And always uh, feel free to reach out to us. Uh, subscribe while you're here. Please follow the podcast. Uh, we also are on uh, Twitter at Yalotix. Uh You can find Jason at Jason Whiteley. That's the color white with an L.Y. at the end. That and confuses everybody. At Jason Wheeler tv don't forget the tv at the end
0: because there are so many wheelers out there you want to make sure you get the right one y'all have a great week enjoy that launch